This is just the usual reminder that this show may contain some adult language and humour and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own. Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the co-creator of Pre-Mortis, a tale of modern horrors. And welcome to Omen to That, the chit-free sporadic podcast series where I talk to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. And today's guest is a British artist who's found his spiritual home at Storm King Comics, the brainchild of Sandy King and her husband, director John Carpenter. Yep, it's that John Carpenter. And we discuss a shared love of comics and cinema, as well as a delve into his artistic process and what it's like to work with one of the legendary movie directors of our generation. And as if that wasn't enough... Listen closely to the intro and outro music, as it was also created by my guest, and the album Chill Up can be found on Amazon Music. So get your pie out the oven and settle back as we look at the art of Dave Kennedy. So on today's show I'm extremely pleased to be joined by a brilliant British artist who's not only made his mark in the US comic scene as well as the UK but having started his career as a graphic designer and video game artist he's now a staple member of Storm King Comics a US comic line that consists of mainly horror and sci-fi titles and is headed by the writer, producer and editor Sandy King along with her husband, the legendary director John Carpenter. And not only is my guest an accomplished master of the sequential arts, but as you'll also hear, he happens to be a genuinely nice fella. And if that wasn't enough, he hails from the mighty People's Republic of Wigan. What more could you ask for? So without any further delay, it's a massive hello to Dave Kennedy. <laughs> hello, mate. I love you too. <laughs> you all right, pal? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. So, um, introduction, Christ. Yeah, it's all right. You can pay me later. It's fine, mate. Don't worry about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, I'll take you to the Pound Bakery. We'll have a day out. <laughs> it's funny because whenever I mention um, Wigan, it reminds me. I lived down in Cambridge for a few years. My missus went in, into a bank and and they said, Where, "Where's your account?" Yeah. You know, and she said, oh, "It's in uh, in Wigan." And she went, "Wigan, Wigan." It's like. To anybody, it's like two hours away. It's another world. It, it, one of, one of my favourites was. Uh, it is another one, world. <laughs> it is. It, one, of, one of my favourites was uh, one of my wife's from uh, Japan, which is very well travelled, and she, she lived in Hungary for a few years. Um, one of her Hungarian friends was up with us, um, staying in Wigan, and we we go to the big Asda. And uh, she's walking around. She's saying, "Oh, this this food looks great. This food looks great. You you have anything that's just from here?" And we said, "Well, we've got mint balls. You know, Uncle Joe's mint balls." <laughs> and she says, "What about this?" And she's holding up a pot noodle. Saying, uh, no, no. And she she said, "It says on the back. It says vegan." I said, no, no love. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Tickled me for a decade. That one. That is superb. Love it. Anyway, how are you keeping, mate, in these rather uh, odd times, shall we say? Um, um, I I'm, I'm like to stay in shape, and that shape is round. Um, <laughs> I've been uh, except, exceptionally tubby. I mean, as a comic artist, you don't use your legs much anyway, and you sort of, you know, snacks are too too easy to find mm. and stuff. But uh, 
even more so at the minute, Christ. I mean, I, I know we're supposed to go out for some exercise and, and things like that, but you when you live in Wigan, you know how many mouth mm. breathers will pass you just as you get to the end of oh, your street. So, and it's it's not uh, stopped raining for about a month, has it? You know what I mean? It's like I know, rain I, and know, snow. And you know what we've just done in the middle of the the, the the worst storm period known to mankind? We had our roof replaced. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah so yeah. doing well, um, losing money hand over fist. You know, uh, trying to get the house repaired. Um, mm. It's working, so not yeah. so bad. But yeah, I was talking to someone earlier and I was saying, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to get your priorities. And as, as long as you're safe and your family's safe and well, that's that's all you can do, mate, at the moment. And everything the else is this kind is of thing, yeah. secondary, isn't it? Yeah, they're good. They're probably bored. I, I know that. I mean, they're in a house with me, so they're probably bored. But um, <laughs> they are safe and the family's good. And I think my mum and dad got the jab this week. Oh, great. So, uh, you know, things are starting to... Hopefully shape up. Yeah, so that works out. When we've all got like ten heads and stuff like that, yeah, the streets communicating by sonar, then uh, well, that's we'll it. the jab worked. <laughs> well, I've got a, a friend of ours lives in the next village. He's had his first yeah. jab, so I've sort of said to him, "Well, you know, can you stand by your window so I can just te- test the uh, <laughs> the trackers working?" You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me, that's a whole other show, isn't it? You know, goodness <laughs> me. Yeah, don't invite me on for that one. I'll just walk. What on earth? Anyway, uh, we are talking about science fiction, so I suppose it's somewhat yeah. <laughs> relevant. But then again, a lot of Wigan is science fiction. You only have to go on the uh, comments section on the, oh. on the newspaper. Oh, um, as soon as they mention, it's awful. As soon as oh. they mention something about like um, any kind of figures that have come out to do with this, they'll say, "Well, you know, that's why uh, that, they, they meant to do that, didn't they?" And you can say, uh, like, I know. What? Yeah, I, I, they're everywhere. They're absolutely uh, everywhere. Yeah, it's. Tr- I, I was a I was a councillor on Wigan Council for um, a number of years. Oh right. And, um, yeah. Oh my word, that's an interesting experience. <laughs> I tell you, you you know the old saying, you can't do right for doing wrong. Yes, bloody yes, Nora. You know, yeah. you'd be like, you you could cure COVID on your own, <laughs> and some someone would be like, what about green bin? <laughs> You're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you in it in a minute. <laughs> you know what? You know I'm I'm totally with you on that. I, there's a there's a sort of there's an unwritten rule when you deal with the public that that I don't think most people get unless you've had that main interaction with them that sort of interface as in like work in a shop or you know do what you do or some, be a teacher or something like that. Mm. Um, and I used to work in BHS in the middle of Wigan for many years when I was a kid. Uh, just doing Saturday work. It sort of like helped me get through college and all that kind of stuff as well. It was only a bit of money, but it was enough to get me comics and everything else. And um, I'm, I told myself a series of uh, lessons um, that I should never forget as I move through life. <laughs> One of them was um, do not make a funny joke about a lady's weight when she's trying <laughs> something on. Um, it, it could be as funny as you like, but it's a joke about her weight. It's never yeah. going to work. No. Um, another one was don't let that old fella from Worsley Mains in the changing rooms because he'll just poo in there again. <laughs> right. And and the main one was that I made a note that ninety percent, ninety percent of the general public are different from you in some way. Now that could be on a on a scale of like um they like their change going in their hand in a particular order, and if it doesn't happen, they just throw the money and leave. Or it could be right up to aforementioned Worsley Mainzer who would like to poo in the changing rooms. And and it stood me well for, for my entire life. 90% of the public are different from you. Yeah. As long as you're aware that they're different, you can pretty much deal with anything. 
You know, if you yeah. walk into a room and there's new people there, I, I always expect either one of them to breathe fire or one of them to be your best mate. Um, and if you can, if you're ready for both, then you're kind of ready for the world in a way. Yeah. But, but then again, Wigan's got more than most. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm originally from St. Helens. I was I, I grew up around Wigan because me and my dad were both from Wigan. So I, I consider yeah. this kind of like my home. But you know, when I gave up being a councillor a few years back, and um, a mate of mine said, "Like, do you not do you not miss doing it?" I went, "I miss some elements. I miss not being able to help people and you know do yeah, do good yeah. things for people." I don't miss being called an arsehole all the time <laughs> and abused over social media. Can't, that bit I can live without. <laughs> Luckily, H carries on the uh, the arsehole, um, yeah. you know, just to keep me in, in my place. You've got your but, staple diet at yeah. home. <laughs> anyway, anyway, enough enough of this banter, as they would say. Um, you know, we'll be getting sued get by uh, by Wigan today at this rate, won't we? <laughs> yeah, but they won't know what Sue is, you know, just as just as much as they chuck tra- eggs at trains because they don't understand how it works. They'll probably think it's that woman who works at Muffin Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sue. No, it's not. No, it's the other one. Anyway, I'll have to change this to Wigan chat. You'll have to come on on a weekly Wigan chat and we'll, uh, you know... We'll, okay. we'll dissect the weekly we'll just news. Destroy the time we live in. We'll, we'll just they'll be we'll, after us, mate. They'll be, they'll be <laughs> coming after us for pitchforks. Yeah, we'll we'll go through the week in court. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it'll be everyone I used to go to school with. I'm sure all the people trying to get hold of me on Facebook. Brilliant. <laughs> hey, do you remember I bullied you twenty years ago? Do you want to? Um, oh god! Want to get together? No, you're all right. <laughs> Anyway, for for those listeners that aren't okay, as au fait with the, the People's Republic of Wigan, it is a lovely place, actually. And it's like any town, yeah, it you is. know. It, it genuinely is a nice place, isn't it? And the, yeah. I've lived in different places and, you know, I've I've always found it one of the most friendliest places. But it's just, a, it's just yeah. like any other town. You know, you talk to people who live there and they'll tell you it's weird. And um, I think that's what makes it yeah, yeah. great, though. I'd, I'd hate to live somewhere that was boring. I've yeah. done that before. Yeah. And it's no fun. It's it's fun. Know. It's fun to see um to see the world through my wife's eyes in a way because she's she is well travelled and she's my wife's from Japan by the way and um she grew up in Tokyo so when I finally decided yeah that's that's the girl for me I had to mm. go and convince her that Wigan was better so it's yeah. uh, probably very similar I'd imagine really. yeah of course the metropolis <laughs> of, of Worsley Mains yeah it's um it, it wasn't as hard as I thought because. She was seeing stuff in this town that I didn't see. Yeah. That makes sense. She's seeing it with fresh eyes in a way. And it, it was nice to do that. It was nice to sort of re, rediscover the town I live in mm. um, and uh, appreciate certain elements of it, you know. But um, that that was the one thing she did co- keep coming back to. The people were always friendly with her. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, that's that's enough. You know, we don't need a, a cathedral or a, I don't know underground skating rink or whatever uh, we've got you know nice people so yeah do me. yeah so please don't write in and tell us that you're angry about us <laughs> I, don't, I don't want angry from atherton if you don't mind um <laughs> we're fine we're only joking we love it really <laughs> anyway yeah. let's get on to you sir so um okay. <laughs> just so the people know as well this is probably the third time we've tried to rearrange this it's all my fault because I kept knocking Dave back because of uh, other work commitments that me, kept uh, coming up it was me beef burger deodorant wasn't it <laughs> it was just setting you off 
Um, but uh, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with your work, can you just tell us a little bit about how you got into comics as a fan and then what influenced you to actually become a, a professional artist? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I could give you the um, brief and succinct version or I could just go all night, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try and keep it down. Um, I, I've made a couple of notes just to keep myself on track, if that makes Great. sense. So if you, if you get any pauses... It's not the Dave bot suddenly like um, rebooting. It's just me reading something, which I can't do at the same time as talking. Um, but anyway, so uh, uh, introduction to comics is probably the same as, as most. I, um, I was born in 1972, so I'm 21 now, or, t- or 19, I think, something like that. Well, and, um, it was the year before me, so I think you will be about... 22 now actually i don't want to worry about <laughs> you might, you might be right yeah <laughs> or i've got socks that are 22 yeah, no i've got comics that are, <laughs> that are older than 22 <laughs> oh yeah oh i have yeah definitely older I than 22. so that i had that sort of that same problem we all faced back then which was um american comics didn't really exist here or they didn't where i grew up anyway and what i what i found was my dad would bring whatever he could home in terms of comics because he worked up in liverpool right and they used to get um i think i mentioned this to tony last time i was chatting to him on mm-hmm. uh, acp or something but uh, what used to happen down in liverpool was they'd get um shipments coming over from the states and things would be wrapped in like uh spur bits of paper and a lot of the stuff they used to wrap stuff in was comics wow so they'd have like shipments come in and then liverpool would have all these shops with like tatty comics hanging off the shelf um and they were the first sort of introduction to american style comics that um i saw really which was my mm. dad bringing on the odd batman or the odd you know uh avengers or something you know that was just it wasn't regular here you know what i mean um and we, i know we had like beano and we had wizard and chips and yeah dandy and buster and all them things and, and i was all over them you know i was i was absolutely ravenous for that type of stuff but my dad would would absolutely go out of his way to find anything and everything that was comic based so I was getting a good broad introduction to it all really not just your Dennis the Menace and yeah. not just bat- the odd Batman here and there but he'd bring things like uh, Giles remember Giles right yeah, the, yeah. Um, uh, the, the, would that be classed as like a cartoon, cartoonist or, or yeah it was, was um, kind of like a was it one off kind of panel I think it was like a, a sun. I think it was like a, a one one panel yeah uh, like image um that was based around like this particular family that had like an old woman in it with like like a, a white ruff and a, and a black hat and it was just odd but it was it would come out every sunday in the paper i think yeah and, yeah, I and what that. my dad would do was he'd he'd pick up these books that were collections of them yeah and I, I, I didn't know what was being said in them half the time but i just liked the fact that it was a different style of drawing and you were introduced to um, you know, I, I'm being introduced to stuff more than just uh, Dennis the Menace and you know the Bass Street Kids and stuff like that. Mm. So he was very good at finding that type of stuff. There was Giles, there was Uwe Woolley was another one, mm. um, and and the Bruins from Scotland, and um, and then he'd find things like Peanuts. Um, so I was I got a, a quite a broad introduction to drawing styles as a kid, and I don't know whether that sort of cements. Uh, the idea that you can draw any way you want or whether it cements the idea that you should draw every way you can and mm. that you shouldn't have one particular style but that was a kind of a theme that followed me for years really that 
I should draw it like like this or I should draw it like that and I struggled for a long time to try and figure out how the hell do I draw you know yeah and what what is my style um and how would I even go about like drawing a comic in the first place because I don't know how to draw it because I can to be honest for years in my jobs that I was doing graphic design and and working in the games industry and marketing and stuff I was using drawing but it was always in a sketch format it was always like let's do a sketched out idea for a cover and then we'll we'll eventually put it together in photoshop and all this stuff and there was a long time where I didn't know what my drawing style was and to say like what your influence is oh god it's like it's the endless question I have I mean, like I say, I've, that, that list I've just read you there is about a quarter of what I've actually written down. Yeah. Um, the influences come all the way up through, like, uh, like Transformers was a big one for me. That was the first comic I bought myself. You know, got right. paper around and uh, found a, a news agent uh, around the corner from the house who would get subscriptions of whatever you wanted in. Yeah. Um, as long as you just, you know, turned up every two weeks and giving you twenty-seven pence or whatever it was, and. Uh, so Transformers was a big one for me because that was my first regular comic. Right. Um, I did. I did get Star Lord for a while. Oh uh, yeah. But what I found was, uh, and that was was Star Lord before two thousand AD. Yeah, or? but I, I always have a feeling it, it it came out just before two thousand AD. But I could be conflating that because obviously things like Strontium Dog started in Star Lord, and yeah. then you know when they kind of merged, yeah. it then came a staple of yeah. two thousand AD. So. I'm, I'm always really aware of um, of discussing 2000 AD because uh, Mike Sizemore, the, the writer who I work with and I have worked with for years, yeah. is, uh, lives and breathes 2000 AD. Um, he's got a Steve Dillon dread on his arm as a tattoo and um, he's uh, he absolutely loves it, you know. Um, mm. So me sort of like casually mentioning, yeah, I read it a bit, you know, it, it, <laughs> it usually doesn't cut the mustard. Upsets you know, Beat. <laughs> beaten up mentally over you know stuff like that but i'm sort of like i did i do remember reading 2008 and star lord uh, as a youth but what i found was i I didn't have a lot of people to discuss them with yeah Uh, and uh, in my particular group of friends like not all of them read comics but there were kids at school who would know what i was on about if i said you know um have you got the new transformers there's at least three or four other people i knew who would discuss that you know Mm. I realised that was a bit later on, uh, but it it helped me out that in terms of like what, what I enjoyed latching onto, yeah. Because um, there was weirdly there was a social aspect to comics uh, back then because you could get them everywhere. You could get them every news agent. You know, kids could stu- could actually stumble across comics uh, as they were going through their daily lives, which is one of the things I um, you know yearn for for my little lad. You know that. I'm trying to introduce him to uh, as much sort of like fun reads as I can, really. Um, but he's never going to, you know, wander to Tesco and accidentally just go, oh, look, there's, a, there's an issue of Wolverine there or whatever it is. Um, it, it just doesn't happen. There's nowhere for him to go other than a comic shop, really. Yeah, um, yeah. It's funny because I, I, my first memory, because obviously I grew up similar kind of area to you and, and we didn't have a comic shop that I knew of. You know, there wasn't such mm. a thing. And the the most comics I got as a kid was we used to have a caravan on the North Wales coast, and it seemed like every gift shop had a spinner rack full of comics. Yeah, and yeah. you know, and I, I I'm funny enough I'm just going through the process at the moment of tidying up a load of long boxes and and you know putting yeah. things in order, 
and I can still remember buying some of them on these spinner racks in in like you know in real and town and places like that. Yeah, and um, yeah. and then when I would come home, there was nothing again. You know, the closest we got to having a, a comic shop would be yeah. the news agents yeah. that had them on a string. You know, we'd have like the the kind of Hulk Weekly and like the UK reprints pegged to a string yeah, yeah, uh, above the, the sort of counter. But yeah, and yeah. and now it's kind of gone back to as you say. You know, you used to walk into any news agents. Um, mm-hmm when I lived in Wales for a while, when I was a kind of teenager and every news agent had the, it was usually the bottom shelf was just full of comics, you know, um, yes. yeah. Yeah. just one on top of the other and you just work your yeah. way through and you don't even get that now. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's magazine comics and they've usually got bits of plastic shit stuck to the front. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. You know, yeah. free, free spoon or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a shame because that's, that's where I think, the industry's floundering. You know, we yeah, need this, to bring. This, this is a this this subject comes up a lot in yeah. virtually every podcast I listen to, and I know I know full well to all any youngsters listening. This is it's a subject that sounds like old men moaning about how great it used to be and stuff like that. But it, it, it it's a fundamental difference in um, how how you can stumble across yeah. that form of comics. It's it's. It, it, you just simply cannot do it as as well as as you used to be able to do it, mm. and it, it does break my heart a bit. Thinking uh, the, the vast majority of stuff I read as a kid was stuff that I just thought I'd give it a try yeah. because it was there. God bless comic shops for doing that, but not every town has a comic shop. You know, I was sixteen when the first comic shop appeared in our town, and before that, you know, that's that's my entire childhood of mm. of me actually being able to stumble across comics and 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 enjoy them you know mm. um so it, it, there is a reason we do bang on about it it's because we want that for people we want that for kids now exactly um it, it's a wonderful thing to have and and you go to i mentioned in japan again but we go over to see my wife's family whenever we can and just the treatment of how uh comics are, are sort of perceived over there uh, very similar to like mainland europe and stuff where it's it's not seen as um, it's just for kids, you know. Um, I'll pick one of these up and yeah. to the kid when we get in. Um, it's for everyone. When I asked my wife what her favourite comics were when she was growing up, she was telling me one about a, a professor who falls in love really easily. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you, you, won't, you won't get that at copies drive shops where I was growing <laughs> up. But it's because it's seen as a as a, a way of getting a story as which is just as valid as TV, books, yeah. movies, whatever else. Yeah, it, it's not looked down on in any way, and everyone who reads comics already knows this already but if if our country and even the states in many ways could just perceive comics in that different way yeah we'd be on a, we'd be on the, sat on the top of a, a glorious industry you mm. know what i mean i know i was i was talking to um when we used to have conventions I don't know if you remember them but you oh, know no, yeah. <laughs> we used to have these strange them, things where yeah. we'd we'd kind of all get together yeah, I was talking to Ian Richardson at, at Oldham yeah. Comic Con, actually, and he, he he was just telling me about it. he'd just come back from Europe, a uh, convention in Europe, and he was saying that even right. even in Europe, there's a completely different approach to comics where yes, yeah, there's much, a respect yeah. that we just don't really have um, as openly here. And yeah, he was saying, yeah. you know, because he, he was doing commissions and selling artwork and stuff. And, you know, you know I mean, you know, it's like you, you'll have done this, and every time you're at a table, someone will come up and go, well... If I buy that and I buy that, 
what will it cost? <laughs> you know, and all this stuff. And you have to kind of barter yeah. your way to a sale. And he was saying yeah, over yeah. there, it was just like, I'll have that one, that one, that one. And yeah. he was like, well, do you want me to do your deal? And they were like, no, because that's the price of it. You know, it's artwork. Yeah. And he, he said, it's just a different world. You know, this, this is it. This is this is this fundamental thing we had as kids. I don't know how many times I'm going to use the word fundamental tonight, but we've had five, I think. But this is what was different for us when we were kids. We, we, we never went in and said, oh, I see you've got Thundercats and a mask there. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll give you um, 50 pence for both of them instead of the full 70. Yeah. No, nobody was thinking like, oh, it costs too much or anything. They're just interested in the cover, yeah. the story, um, and the idea of, of what's being sold to you by seeing it on a shelf. And the, the whole industry here is... is it's not geared towards somebody being excited to, by being surrounded by comics. And it's because they're, they're not surrounded by them. They're in plastic True. bags in Tesco. They're not um, easily picked up by kids on the way home from school, you know, yeah. who save, save their lunch money and want to get a comic instead. Yeah. Um, it, it's not easy to get hold of them. And because of that, it, it becomes a, perceived as a totally different thing. I just wish it wasn't. I just wish I it do was as well. easier for everyone to get hold of them. I mean, I've got two sort of surrogate nephews and I'm, I'm kind of encouraging them to, you know, to read comics. So I'll send them yeah. things and, you know, they, they bless yeah. them. They they think that me and H run a gallery and a really famous kind of comic artist. And <laughs> we were walking around. We met them at Thought Bubble last year. Not last year, yeah. no, the year before yeah. when there was a Thought Bubble. And we met them there. God, yeah. And we went around and because I actually knew a lot of the small press people, um, we were yeah. chatting, you know, and, and they, they loved it, absolutely loved it, you know. Yeah. And and I yeah. thought, that's how I, if I, when I was a kid, I used to go to conventions and very different to what they are now, but that buzz yeah. of yeah. just being in awe of all this artwork and all these stories yeah. and, you know, and yeah. I think it's such a shame kids don't readily access that anymore you know it's yes you yeah. know people go well yeah. you can get it online but not every kid can get stuff online and it's not cheap to get stuff online yeah, yeah. and, and it's, very, think, it's very different from meeting the guy who's made the thing yeah. you're gonna go away and read yeah. it is yeah and mm-hmm. i don't know i think there's just something something's gonna need to shift i think in the industry yeah um, i know we've yeah. gone off topic here but it's a very interesting subject to me that yeah you know yeah. as you yeah. as a professional in in there and me as someone kind of just pottering around on the indie scene. Yeah, I do think yeah, fundamentally yeah. there needs to be a change, I think, to the approach and, and the accessibility of comics, but I just don't know yeah. whether we'll get it again because of the cost. Yeah, we need we need for um everyone who's alive now to die <laughs> and, um, for the next generation to um to be told in school comics are better than films. Uh, and then we'll be all right. Well, given the current situation we're in, you, you might be onto something <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> well, this could be all part of Bill me. Gates' big plan, you know, or whatever nonsense that's going to come out That's next. why I started it. That's why I ate that bat in China. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dear me. Brilliant. So do you always wanted to be a comic artist from, from being younger? I'd, I'd always... I'd, I'd always loved, you know, like you have you have different compartments in, in your life. You have, you have yeah. music, you have um, your films, and you have your comics and everything. So I always had a deep love of of all the things I was really into, and I always thought that one day it'd be lovely to try and do s- something within that world. I never wanted 
to be famous in any way. I just wanted to be able to do something and say I've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, w- one thing I, I, I chalked um, uh, up uh, at one point was uh, I had an album out. Um, I, I started, like, fiddling and faffing with electronic music and all that right. stuff. And um, I put all these tunes together and put this album out. And um, I think you can still get it on Amazon. I don't think anyone ever bought it, but Fantastic. I did it. And, and and it's there, and people can go and find it. You know, I use the same name as I do for all my social media stuff, which is Cherry Sheriff. Um, but I think it's called... Uh, well, I think it's called. I know what it's called. Um, it's called Chill Up. Um, right. And uh, I'll, I'll send you... I'll send you all the files no, if you have a listen. Yeah. Um, my dad described it best. He said it's uh, it sounds like a uh, lift music. <laughs> I went bang on. That's what I was after. It's just something that's on in the background while you're chatting away. Super. So, but but that's that's one thing I fancied having a go at. Yeah. And uh, um, I just kept going at it in my own time until I did something with it. Mm. Um, never got famous. Never made any money. But I did that one thing. And comics was always there at the back of my mind. I'd love to give it a go. I'd love to try it. Um, and finally answering your question now basically uh, a couple of guys I went to school with um, one of my oldest friends Steve Kilpatrick who's a composer and uh, one of my mates from way back um, in the 90s uh, was a guy called Mike Sizemore mm-hmm. and <clears throat> uh, me and Steve would, had stayed in touch over the years we lived close by and drinking buddies and whatever and he was always keen to get back in touch with Mike because they had a lot more interests um, together, like heavy metal and, and Doctor Who and loads of stuff that mm. I always, you know, sort of like flit through. But um, I know what I'm, what's going on, really. But he's, he finally tracked him down and we found out he'd been writing for a career uh, down in London and working uh, as like, I think he does a bit of screenwriting and, and various types of writing and Right. Uh, he came. He came up for a visit, and we just all got on really well. We, we enjoyed each other's company again, like straight away. Um, talking about what we were doing at the time and, and what we fancied doing, and we just got straight on to the subject of we should do something. Um, and Steve had um, lived in Hungary, uh, which is how I met my wife through him actually, because they both lived in Hungary. All these right. people I know we were all from all over the place, but. Um, He'd uh, written this story about... I, now, I always get this wrong. I think it's Blackbeard. It might be Bluebeard. I think it's Blackbeard. Um, he, he wrote this story based on the the folk tale of, of one of the beards. Um, and it's the guy who uh, rocks up and steals brides um, on their wedding uh, day and then uh, runs off with them and abducts them. Various things happen. Um, and he'd written this short story, Steve, and he said, I've got this story, Like, do, do you guys fancy doing something with it? And Mike said, yeah, I, I, should we do like a comic or something? And I went, oh, my ears pricked up, and I said, ah, I'll give that a go. Um, and so Mike went away and sort of turned it into like a comic script, because, as you probably know, writing for one area is very different from writing for another area, so yeah. a book and a TV script and a comic are all totally different because they're all different, presented in a different way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Mike did this uh, treatment of The Night Bride, it's called. And uh, Steve would like go back and forth with it and, it, and and they just left it to me and said, right, away you go, draw it. Um, so I'd go into work every, every day about an hour or so early. I'd get the um, six o'clock train instead of the seven one and I'd go and sit in a coffee shop and just try and do a panel um, in my sketchbook and 
over time, you know, a few months later, I had this little short comic ready, and we never did anything with it, but we'd done it. We'd we'd made something, you know. Um, mm. I'd actually done a comic, so I was really pleased with that. And it's worth noting that every job I've ever got has never come from the work I've done in my previous job before that. It's always come from stuff that I've done sat at home on on my own time, thinking, yeah, oh, I fancy having a go at that. Um, so we did The Night Bride. Um, and from that point, Mike uh, asked me, was I interested in helping him with some work that he was doing with a, a TV production company who were preparing scripts that were then being taken over to the States to, to try to be sold to studios. Right. So for a long time, I he brought me on and that job on the strength of the night bride and a couple of other little things we'd been doing. And so I jumped jobs and started actually drawing comics for a living, really mm. not comics that would ever really, a lot of them would never see the light of day really, but they are there. They are out there. I think yeah. the, the name of the company they used, they created was called Doghouse comics. Yeah. Um, and they're still about, you can still get them on comicsology and stuff like that. Uh, but I worked with Mike for years on those, and it it's sort of like cut our teeth doing it. You know, we were I was mm. learning that uh, it's great if you if you've got a fantastically detailed panel, but if you've, somebody's talking um, like you know two thousand words over the top of it, you're not yeah. going to see any of it. Um, it was all these little things that you you learn by mistake, and blimey, I did make some mistakes, but it it got me to a point where I. It, it sort of it clicked, and I realised how people had always put comics together. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and oddly, I'd, I'd, I'd got there on my own in a way. Um, obviously, with Mike, with help from Mike and the guys we were doing the work for, but there was nobody around to tell me how to do how to make comics. Really, right? I was just doing it in isolation. Yeah. Um, which, which you know, uh, has always been the case really since I was young. I don't know about you, you know. Mm. growing up in this glorious town full of opportunities but when I mentioned doing it at school like I fancied doing comics they went have you thought about working in Heinz yeah, yeah. I said well it's, it's not quite the same it, but... it was the same at art college um, yeah when I went to art college and they, they were kind of what do you want to do and I studied illustration rather than fine art or something mm. and you know I, I was, if you mentioned that you wanted to do something with comics they you're lucky they didn't like burn you at the stake and then strangely enough uh, it was around the time when um graphic novels the term graphic novels became popular and you know you had things like arkham asylum and stuff and then all of a sudden yeah when it was deemed art um they got a bit more interested but you know it's uh it's always been one of those strange disciplines hasn't it that people are very very polarized on comics and a bit like we were talking about before you know yeah they either get them or they don't get them and it's a shame because i mean i'm just looking yeah. at, at some of the work you were talking about because you've got like the night bride on your your website and some beautiful yes yeah the entire absolutely thing gorgeous there. i'm just looking at there's one page and i think it's page it's page 10 of the actual um story but it's page eight of your your artwork and it's it's got the, the bride in a tree yeah. and it's a beautiful piece of work mate yeah. You know, if you took the if you took the speech bubbles off that, yeah. and you know, and you put that in in a kind of contemporary gallery, people would be falling all over it. But because yeah. it's part of a comic, well, you mate. know, 
That's people, my people, head's, my head's expanding. No, it's beautiful. I'm just looking honestly, and I know you. I know you make a reference that you think you know you. It doesn't stand up with your work, but there's something about um, this early work that's got a real accomplished energy about it. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. You know, there's, it's there's, superb. There's, some, there's something about that. Um, thank you, by the way. That's very kind of you. There's, there's something about having a rawness to work. I think, mm. and I, I, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm sort of like a, I, I, I get on with this that I do working with the guys that I do. And I've found a pattern and a way of working that I, I'm pretty happy with. But I also have that, I still have that urge inside to sort of like, today I want to paint something in blood. Or, you know, I want to do yeah. something that's just outside of my um, area of expertise. And I think you you have that in spades when you first start out doing something. And I, I do a bit of a, or I try to, I do a bit of tutoring with kids whenever I can. You right. Know, kids of, of my, my mates and things like that. Yeah. And every so often, my, my, my brother's friend um, runs a concept art course down at the Wigan Tech, down at the bottom there, right. um, by the park. And um, every so often, I'll go in and just like chat to the kids who are in there as well. Brilliant. And it comes back to it comes back to that thing of, like you say, you, you, there's something nice about passing on the stuff you've learned to save other people the hassle of going through it themselves. Yeah. Um, there was there was nobody about when I was at school to say, um, "Oh, you fancy doing comics? Or even if you do it just as a hobby, here's how you do it." Yeah. Um, there was nobody about to tell me that, so I it took me however long it was. You know, I was a sign writer, then I was working as a cop, then I was doing this, and blah, blah, blah. Mm. and close twenty odd years to actually sit down and, and do a comic, even though I'd thought about it. Mm. And if someone had told me when I'd just left whatever it was uni. Um, this is how you do it. Do you fancy giving it a go now while like, you're raw and you're at the top of your powers? Um, I, I would have jumped at it. If I can, if I get that opportunity, I, I tend to tell the kids who are, who, I, who are stupid enough to listen to me that if it doesn't really matter if, you're, if your technique's brilliant at that point. It's a matter of getting out the stuff that's inside you and it can look as raw as you like, but it might be an infinitely better idea um, that produces a, an emotion in someone that you would never have yeah. guessed it would yeah um simply because of what you're trying to get out of yourself mm. what you're trying to get down on the page and i used to do the uh when i used to do the cons where i'm just selling like prints and stuff like that you know i'm trying to make a living off yeah yeah i'd get like kids coming up saying um oh um you know how, how do you draw like this and i'd say well you draw for 30 years so yeah and, and then it just happens you know what i mean but i'd always tell them if you took everyone in the convention center gave them all a piece of paper and a pencil and said, draw Captain America. They'd all draw him differently. Yep. They'd all do. Um, if nobody had any reference, they'd have to draw him from what was in their, their mind. Yeah. They'd all draw him differently. And the the crappiest drawer there could have the best pose. The best drawer there could, could be the most boring one you'd see. Um, it's right across the board. You, I would never be surprised by... A, a, Ten-year-old coming up and showing me the best version of the Hulk I'd ever seen mm. because he's he's done something with it that he's, he felt like doing, and you can always teach yourself, I think, to to draw. You can teach yourself to play a guitar. You can teach yourself to drum and whatever else. Um, but it's very difficult to teach that having that rawness of ideas and, and getting it down. You know, um, I, I still don't think my hands work the way they're <laughs> supposed to in terms of getting what's in my head out onto the page. And I'll spend the rest of my life learning to do that. But it, you do, though, don't you? I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm not in your league, but I'll spend 
Um, Give it all the meat. And I can spend days on a panel, you know, dicking around the panel. I can spend a month on a panel. (laughs) But you do, don't you? In the past. You you just, because you you keep going back to it and you go, right, that's it. That's okay. That's okay. And then it's like, no, there's something about it. You know, and it can be, it can be a little, you know, one eighth panel on the page, but if it doesn't flow. You've, you can't leave it, can you? It's just one of those things that no. you just can't leave. But I've, I've discovered that it's, it's invaluable, the ability to be able to look at what you've done and say, um, it's not working. Starting yeah. Um, I, I have scrapped full pages in the past because yeah. it's not working. You know, and, and it turns out all it was was like panel layout or yeah. I didn't get an expression right or something. Or everything hung on this one particular thing on the page to make the person who's going to read it in three seconds. Yeah, no, that's, that's the way the they're thing, supposed you know? to. Yeah, you know, I'm lucky, so, I suppose. Not being precious is key. Yeah, I'm lucky in the sense that because H is an artist as well, so she's very good at you know yeah. I can and we we do this um, with each other. Where, you know, have you got a minute? <laughs> like, Just come over here yeah, a minute. Yeah, and be yeah. like, what what's wrong with that? And she's very good at because she's not a comics fan, which is good. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't oh, have any yeah, yeah. preconceived ideas of how things should be done and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. So she'll yeah. just be very kind of honest about, I, honest. you know, yeah. I don't well, understand that's, that's, what's happening there. That's glorious and, feedback. Yeah, I know, because yeah. that's the stuff you don't usually get until it's too late, and it? You know, when you, well, you've sent it off and somebody says, I don't, about it. I've, it's lovely, but I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Uh, exactly yeah I've, I've got a mate who doesn't understand he didn't read comics as a kid and he doesn't know how to move down the page he doesn't right. know he, he doesn't know whether he should be going right left up down everything oh, i send everything through him because if he can make sense of it yeah then anyone can and the other one is um my postman i i bug the hell out of my postman um what do you think about this does it look right <laughs> and the, nine times out of ten he'll, he'll he'll pick up on something that was not looking for in the slightest yeah he'll say uh Looks like he's going to fall over, and I go, "Oh God, you're right." Yeah, and because he's not looking at it with the same eyes of like, technically, you've got his armor perfect there, mate. Well done. You know, he's not. He's just looking at it from a perspective that's utterly alien to me. Yeah, you know, he, he yeah. doesn't read comics. He, he don't care. I, I kind of like that. I like running it through as many people as possible because you can pick and choose what you hear from people, but getting a new perspective on something is is always appreciated and unique. Yeah, and I think it's that element of always being open to criticism, isn't it? Positive criticism, oh, you know. Yeah, where, and absolutely. I don't mean people picking things apart for the sake of it, which, you know, yeah. sometimes happens. But when people actually say to you, you know, I don't understand what's happening yeah. or who's he again, which tells yeah. you there's something wrong with... with it's the, valuable, the, yeah. You know, the character design or whatever. You can't yeah. buy that stuff. It's valuable. Um, Mate, mm-hmm. I've, just, I've just had an email conversation with... A really nice guy. Um, let's see, I've got it up in front of me. It'll be up here. Uh, his name was Chris. There he goes, Christopher. Right, Christopher Matthewman. Um, it looks like he, he does a, a site called, I think it's called Beyond the Veil. And they did a review of uh, issues one to seven of Vortex 2, which is the comic I've just finished working on. Yeah. And um, he was, oh God, it was a good review. It was a really good I read review. it. You posted it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. And I, I wrote to him, and I just Brilliant. had to let him know. I said, look, mate, I said, uh, don't mind me writing to you out in the middle of nowhere, but what you wrote was gold dust, really, because mm. at, at people queue up at conventions to get that kind of advice 
from professionals. Yeah. I said, I still consider myself somebody who's learning in the area of what we do. Um, so any advice from somebody who actually does read a lot of comics, I'm going to listen to. Uh, and he was really positive about some aspects and, and he wasn't negative about the things that he thought didn't work, but he told me why he didn't think they worked. And I thought, yeah. this is brilliant because yeah. he actually picked up on a, meth- a thing that Mike had put, how he'd thought about putting the comic together. He wanted it to move at a particular speed, whereas the first book we did, the first Vortex book, it was slightly different paced. It sort of like slowly led into the story. The second one is, it's like aliens to alien, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was a different beast. We wanted it to be daft. We wanted yeah. it to end up with these ridiculous creatures in it and whatever else. And very different to the creeping sort of like dread of the first one. Mm. And it was purposely done. But this guy spotted it. And then he went on to to say like, and a few people have said this and I've picked up on it and I am working on it. It's this thing of my, me using panels more. And I get very much stuck in, in things looking cinematic. So I kind of get stuck with that mentality of I better do a big wide panel then. Yeah. So it looks a bit like a cinema screen. And all that, there's a sort of, there's a dissonance between the stuff you read and the stuff you want to create. Um, unless you're reading comics day in, day out, and and picking them apart, not just enjoying them, but actually looking at how they're constructed, yeah. Um, you will just sit down and draw how you think you're supposed to draw. And I'll I'll defend how I draw until the day I die in terms of. Um, that is just how I draw. That's that's mm. not just me. I haven't studied Kirby. I did twenty years of Photoshop work that I can't ignore. Not using, if you know yep. what I mean. Yep. So my work has a, a, a very different feel to it than classic comic artists. Um, and I'm uh, there was a point where I might have been embarrassed about that. Well, I'm not anymore. It's how I draw. Um, but if somebody can help me improve that, mm. my God, I'm all over it. Absolutely all over it. Mm. Um, and he and he wrote back. Um, he was very kind very nice and and wrote back and uh said that's what he wanted to hear i mentioned tony and um your podcast tony's podcast all the ones that i'm currently got on the list that mm. I'm, I'm going through the rad lounge as well as another <laughs> one in those guys yeah and <clears throat> i said you'll notice that everybody reviews stuff honestly um and from a perspective of of knowing the subject and tony person like yeah. tony uh, as a person who's sort of like really, really fired up about that, you know, it comes across that he wants that to be the norm, and we all do really. Which is, um, if a comic gets reviewed in a healthy way and in an honest way, it's an opportunity for the next one to be better. Exactly. It's not, yeah. It's not putting someone down. It's not yeah. saying um, this is crap um, and I don't like it. This guy didn't do that. He said these elements worked and these didn't, and this is mm. why. And that is absolute gold. That's 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 what I, I strive for. Somebody to tell me how I can get better. Yeah, and um, and just sorry, just talk about that then. So, as as feedback you've had, has it ever changed your your kind of process? Because I know you mm. you you do a lot of thumbnailing, from what I understand. <laughs> oh, mate, Thumb, yeah. thumbnailing is is um, it, it's the bit that sort of destroys me mentally because I can't listen to music while it's on. I can't listen to podcasts <laughs> while I'm doing it. Um, because I can't do two things at once. My wife will tell you. Um, uh, can you can you wash these dishes and listen to me talk? Oh, God, no, no, no. You know, no, it's, no. It, it, I can't do more than one thing at, at any time. But <clears throat> the thumb, uh, my my process, um, just sort of like to take it apart. I, I learned my process 
on my own without really looking at how other people had put comics together. This yeah. was that sort of period of working with Mike and um, both of us finding the best way for both of us to work. Right. So Mike would write. Mike writes a script. Um, in the case of Vortex, it was based on an original idea from John himself, John Carpenter. Yeah. And um, Mike uh, had made contact with him, and he was working on that script with him. And it, it is John's idea, John and Sandy's idea. And they said, "Why don't you guys develop it and see how it goes?" And you know, um, we know what we want it to do. We just haven't got all those sort of details of how we get there. So leave it to you see what you want to do so mike brought me in on working with stuff with uh john and sandy and he writes a script now he still writes in a way that you could say it was probably cinematic you know he writes in a way that he's seeing things and in, he's informed by films far more than he is by comics right um so you can you can feel that in the writing i seem to remember going to a thought bubble one year and someone at titan having a look at my work and and asking me directly does your writer just write screenplays? And I went, what? And she said, well, I can just see it in the way he's put that page together. Um, and I thought, that's that's weird. She's seen past my work and seen his mm. work and, and come up with that conclusion. Yeah. But Mike's learned as much as I have how to adapt um, what he does to this medium. And uh, like I say, he's, he's grown up on 2000 AD, so he's got yeah. that in his blood, really. Um but he writes the script, and what's great about working with Mike, and I say this because I haven't really worked with anyone else in terms of scripts. I've, I've always worked with Mike on everything we've done. Um, he will leave, uh, I wouldn't say gaps, but he'll leave so much of it to me that I genuinely feel like I'm adding um, to the story itself. Right. Um, he's written the story, the words are there, but he's he will never tell me the best way to show a panel off. He will never yeah. tell me... There are times when I, I can go back to him and say, look, I've done the thumbnails and we need a big reveal on this page turn. Do you fancy adding a couple of extra pages? And he'll yeah. go in and bat for me and go and speak to John and, and Sandy and say, listen, I know you, you know, it's going to add a bit of cost, but do you fancy adding a few more pages because we want to make a big meal out of this thing at the end? So it's a collaborative thing in a way. Mike's Brilliant. got the story in his head and he's working to that. But I'm really lucky in that I can say... Um, Listen, this bit's not working. It, you know, it's it's got too many horses in it. God damn it! I hate drawing horses. <laughs> oh god! Um, oh. So it's too many horses in this, Mike, in this western. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll I'll make suggestions to him. He'll rework what he's done, and because he is a creative writer, he can do that. It's not like what he's done is set in stone. Mm. Um, it's it's phenomenal to work with someone like that who's flexible enough to say, well, why don't we try this? And I'll have ideas of, of how a panel should work better, but I don't deal with the words. I, I, I'll put something in that I've heard a million times before in in, in other comics, but mm. he'll he'll be able to be creative with it. So that's that's really nice. So yeah, the thumbnails. Christ, man, I can talk. Um, so the thumbnails um, is the bit that mentally taxes me the most it's the bit where you sit down and you do the page over and over right. again and you, you you're not just doing the page you're thinking about the book you're thinking about how um when somebody walks into a, a room and has a conversation with two other people where they're all positioned in that room where's the best place to see them and see the expressions that we need to see that are in the script 
what, what happens in the next page when one yeah. of them turns around and walks through a doorway and gets shot. You've got to be ready for that. They've got to be yeah. in that position before you even start. So I, I get, I tend to, the bit, the thumbnailing bit really, really blasts my, my mind a lot, as in like it taxes me um, because I'll be thinking about what they're wearing, um, what room they're in, what stuff's in that room, how they're going to interact with it later on. And I can get really bogged down with details. Mm. So my thumbnails, I try and keep them as crap as possible, as in <laughs> bare lines. Yeah. I, I know where people are stood. You can feel the weight of where someone's stood, but you don't need to know, um, you know, how many people are on their contact list on their phone in the artwork or anything like that. I can deal with all that later when I start putting stuff onto the page. The thumbnails are the thing that take the longest time with me, right? Um, because that's the book. That's the that's how somebody's going to read it. And what I've found is if we we as a team, um, there's myself, there's Mike, um, there's my brother Pete, who does the colours on the comics we work on. Yeah, and there's a lady called Janice, uh, Janice Chang, who's over in New York, and uh, she does a lettering. Mm. And um, she lettered like the comics that I I grew up on. She, uh-huh. she lettered like Transformers and it's mad, isn't it? stuff like that. It's, it's flipping mad working with someone like that. She's really nice. They're all really nice. They're all really good at like collaborating and putting stuff up on Dropbox and seeing how it works. She then takes my really crappy thumbnails and she actually letters them. Wow! So she's got a draft of it, a very early draft that we can sort of say. That's working, but I can see how much room I'm going to need to leave for what she's putting in there. And I'm an, I'm an idiot for stuff like that anyway. I will draw every background and I will draw stuff so she's got room to move around. But at the same time, it's really nice seeing it starting to come together based on the most basic of things. Yeah. Um, so she takes those thumbnails, she letters them, and she keeps those files, those Illustrator files, ready to rock um, as the artwork progresses. Now, we don't need to do this, but what I do is I prepare my uh, pencils and inks in a really odd way. I tend to... I don't really pencil and then ink. I tend to right. um, do it all at once in a way. All right. And and, and sort of... It's hard to describe, but my, my wife's a sculptor, and okay. watching her work, it's, it's given me a bit more of an insight into what I do in terms of... When you see, when you think of a sculptor, they whittle away at something until it becomes a shape, or they manipulate it until it becomes a shape. Yeah. And I'd never thought of drawing in that way until I started doing comics, because we do that with drawing too. You know, yeah. you don't have to have the first pencil mark you you make on your page a, a big thick pencil mark that will never come off. You build it up, and you, especially in Photoshop, you'll work in layers and so on, and so on. Um and eventually get to the shape you want. Mm. Now, I've done a lot of that with the thumbnails, but what I then do is I I work digitally totally, really. Um, there was a time when I'd, I'd work, you know, traditionally and then sort of start bringing things in. But yeah. I, I can't ignore that 20 years of sitting with a Wacom tablet and wanting to learn how to draw that way. So I just use it, really. Um, so I start on the... Um, what I start on what essentially the inks really, um, and I might draw one or two variations of, like say I'm drawing a po- somebody in a pose. I might draw that pose twice, right, and each time it gets a bit more refined. Uh, I'm 
I'll just change the color of that to like the light blue or a red or something and then drop it back in a layer and then start working over the top of that to get my sort of final inks. Yeah, yeah. And you'll have probably seen, if you have seen any of my stuff, you'll yep. you'll know, notice that it doesn't look at all really like uh, the classic comic look of delicious inks really well done and, um, you know, vivid colors and stuff. It's sort of like a almost like a lack of contrast in the stuff I do because I get so bogged down in that sort of Jeff Darrow-y type of detail that I want to do in my head. And what I do is I, I get them inks and then I start adding tones to them. So instead of like, as in spot blacks and, and, and really definitive comic looking things, I end up with like stuff where I've I've shaded stuff and I've and I've put, you know, clouds of dust in front of things and things like that. What it does is it, I, I then hand it over to our Pete and just see what he does with it. Right. Um, I might discuss with him that we might want something in a lab to feel like it's got a cold atmosphere. And he might put like a colour treatment over the entire yeah, sequence. Yeah. You know, if, if it's three or yeah. four pages, he might just colour it as it's supposed to look, but put a colour treatment over the top of that so that you know just by the feel of it that you're in that particular room. Um, and and that tends to be how it, how it works. I, I finish my ink stuff save it out as a JPEG and a PSD, whack it up into Dropbox, then Janice has then got a JPEG she can drop into her lettering. She's got a much more defined version of the comic she can work from then, um, while Pete's colouring it. He's finished. finished. He drops that up into Dropbox too, um, (laughs) and she's then got the final version. So Janice might do three or four drafts of the final lettered comic, but we've all read it before we got to the end. If you know what I mean? It, it's an odd way of working, but we've all found that out. I actually did the first ever issue of Vortex um, years ago now uh, on my own entirely. I did the lettering, I did the colouring, I did everything. And as much as I enjoyed it and having that incredible amount of control, I just realised I'll, I'll be working on this comic for 20 years before it's yeah. finished. Yeah. And I need to concentrate on the bit I need to do and I need to pass on this other work to others. I worked with our Pete to get him up to speed on Photoshop colouring and we all worked together with Janice to, you know, get lettering looking the way we wanted it to look. Um, and, I mean, hopefully it works. Yeah, no, no that's yeah, fantastic. It, it, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm flicking out, through uh, uh, Vortex as you, as you speak, actually, and just having a look at some yeah. of the stuff you're talking about. It's beautiful. It does have a very cinematic Sorry, look to it. It's funny when you said that earlier on because one of the things I'd written on my notes to say to you is that yeah. I find your work very cinematic and it's interesting that that, that you talked yeah, about I, I, you know the script and the way you you, you break down the yeah. panel designs we've, we've talked about I talked about this with uh, the very first time I was on the ACP I think um, yeah. the fact that there is a crossover there's, a, there's an undeniable crossover with comics and movies especially now since comics are feeding all the movies that are making money Um there's an undeniable sort of crossover, especially as I've spent, like I said, you, everyone's got like four or five main interests and, and mine have always been comics, movies, music. Yeah. Um, so the bleed into into each other is inevitably going to be there because you are like what you consume really. Aren't mm. you? you take everything on and you put it all into one place and mix it all up and you say, well, that seems to have defined everything that I know and I'll, I'm going to use it to make things. So I, I can't hide the fact that I I did grow up on Carpenter's films. And mm. I think when uh, both Mike and I have said this before, but 
when you know your work's going out and it's literally going to be next to one of the greatest horror directors of all time, yeah, it it better be up to speed. It yeah. better reflect what he does. You know what I mean? It's not it's not just us putting out what we want to put out. We want to put out a carpenter story. Yeah, yeah. It's got to it, it's got to get that feeling across. Um, and you'll know yourself. It, 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 as most people our age, if you're into your horror and you are a fan of Carpenter, um, he did a hell of a lot to introduce a particular type of mood to yeah. horror cinema. Yeah, and it's it's unsettling. It's uh, it, it, it's creepy, yeah, and it's horrific. But the, one of the elements I enjoyed most was it, it's unsettling. Yeah, it's like a, a good example I always use is um, in Escape from New York. Um, if anyone's seen Escape from New York, mm. um, it's basically a, a rollicking adventure story where <laughs> where everything is really, really fucking dangerous. Yeah, and yeah. and it was like it's like seeing Indiana Jones or something, but it's really dangerous and it's sinister and it's nasty, and and he achieves that with everything at his disposal. That you know the the soundtrack, the the, the quality of the film, the the, the coloration of it. Yeah, um, the. The script, everything that goes into making a film, is what um, made it John's film. You know, and all his influences made made the films look mm. and feel that way. So, when we're tasked with reflecting what he does in a comic form, um, we've got to use everything in our arsenal yeah. to sort of to to bring that to the page. And it, of course, there's going to be cinematic influences because the the, the influence, the original influence, is cinema. Um, f- for this particular, you know, brand. So, yeah, I, it's in, I, I it's interesting. It, it's interesting to say that because when I was um, reading through Vortex, one of the things that struck me, and I didn't know whether this was just me um, making this mental link because of the connection with John Carpenter, or yeah. whether it was deliberate. And with with the things you're saying there about wanting to reflect his work and his style yes. in, in what you're doing is I always think that it reminds me very much in the tone and the way it's lit, the way it's colored, you know, and stuff like that of the yeah. thing, you know, it has yes. that kind of yeah. palette of the thing. And yeah. if, if Vortex was, if you were to change the story to it being a kind of illustrated version of the thing, yeah, I would imagine it would look exactly like this, and it's got that. It's just got that kind of almost desaturated quality to it. Yes, the, the yeah, thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't know whether yeah, I, I mean, was just uh, imagining that. I was. But it's it's I interesting was aiming to say it. for mm. something like that. Really, I mean the uh, the uh, the thing being my favourite of uh, Carpenter's films. Really, um, I just got more of an appreciation for it as time went on, knowing yeah. full well that yes, the, the spectacular gore and the creature stuff is magnificent. But at the heart of it, it's this—it's the scariest of his stories. It's yeah, it's a slow build, isn't it? It's the paranoia, and and even even without um, all the effects and then everything else, you've still got a story of the paranoia that people not knowing who to trust. Yeah, and that—that was something that um, Mike and I sort of like very quickly sort of like cottoned onto uh, that could be brought to like the story that we're telling. Mm. You know, this notion that there's a there's an organism and it's in someone and it's it's changed them in some way and what are they up to yeah you know, what's that organism up to yeah and uh, i'm not i'm not going to fling spoilers anywhere but we've got no, to no. the the, nope. the, the uh, final um issue of 
Vortex is essentially um, eight issues in one collected book, which you can you can get from Storm King, you can get from Amazon and stuff like that. And the second book, we've the last issue has literally just come out this week. Another eight issues, which eventually will be collected into a book. Yeah. Now it does, in many ways, bring the story to an end. But saying that, the, the first book brought the story to an end, and it was really satisfying and done. But when John and Sandy said, "Listen, do you want to do another one?" We were mm. like, "Jesus, Harold Christ, yes!" I know. Yes, exactly. of we do. Have a think about um, it. <laughs> are you daft? Of course we do. Um, so we did the second one, and I genuinely didn't know where Mike was going to go with it. Um, yeah, and like I said, he did go um, very much down the sort of aliens route. You know, where where, mm. where things are sort of ramped up, and we've we've done the creeping terror. Let's let's try something else. But he still managed. Like, I don't know about you, but when, when you watch something on Netflix, or and you've got that scroll bar at the bottom, or even if it's on Sky and you're, you're watching an episode of CSI or something, mm. and you're getting towards the end of the program, and you just have a quick flick to see how how long's left yeah. of the program, and it can pretty much tell you. Um, who's going to be the culprit or yeah. well this is it this is the guy because they've only got two minutes left it has to be him you know or is, is it going to carry on to next week and be a, a cliffhanger but there's something about getting closer and closer to the end of a story and being able to guess and what Mike did on this book is he had me guess into the last page Brilliant. I genuinely didn't know how he was going to finish mm. this story with these characters we've been working with for years. How's he going to do justice to this character, that character? Nah, nah, nah. And the story was the reveal of what the the thing wants, mm. the the organism. And I got there and I just thought, oh, fuck, that's good. Brilliant. And, and this is me just reading the script going, oh, that's good. Now, what the hell am I going to bring to it? And I started messing about on that last page. There's a double page spread of the last page of the last book. And I must have done it 15 times because I couldn't get what Mike had written right. I couldn't oh, yeah. Just, I couldn't sort of, what's the word? I couldn't do it justice. And I kept going and I kept going and I couldn't see it. And I, I sent it to Mike. I sent them all to Mike. And I said, look, all the visual elements of there, it's just not working. Yeah. Went, put, put them top panels down the side and put them over there. And I went, oh, fucking hell, that's it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so it was a tiny little thing, but he'd seen the story end in his head as well. And he'd had that that end in his head for years. I didn't know this, but he wow. knew how it was going to end. He just wanted to make sure we got that emotional sort of punch. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying that. It might not matter to anybody who's reading it, but if you enjoy the book you work on, then that's half oh, the battle, surely. I, I've always said that. Because I've said this about uh, generally on other podcasts that I, I think, and I don't know whether you get this as, a, as an artist, but yeah. I can always tell when somebody's enjoyed working on something. And I always get a yes. sense when somebody's found creating something a bit of a drag as well. You know, you can just yes. tell it's, yeah. I think it comes through with the work, doesn't it? Where, yeah. Yeah. you know, you'll Absolutely, see something yeah. and you're like, they've, they've really gone for this. They've really enjoyed doing this. It just comes out, doesn't it? You know, in the, in the, yeah. even in the style of the lines they're using or whatever it may be. You just yeah, get a sense absolutely. of that enjoyment, I think, and you know, and I, I kind of again, you know, and I don't want to spoil the vortex for anyone who's not yeah. read it, but I would recommend you pick it. It is, a, it is a brilliant book. It's a brilliant. I'm not just saying that because you're on as well. I really enjoyed it, and I love the art. Yeah, I think the art's going to fit here. Yeah, yeah phones no. are not fitting. Yeah, it's massive. <laughs> no, it's true though, and and you know, and it's it's. I mean, everything about it, you know, but the the colouring as well. 
you know, I know your brother does the colouring. I mean, how, how do you find that? I've been very lucky in terms of uh, um, R. Pete working with me because he was he grew up on the same stuff as me. I mean, there's a six-year difference, but whereas my older brother um, didn't really have the same interests. Right. You know, we, we still get on to an extent, but uh, with R. Pete, he, he was into all the same stuff. So um, if he says, um, should we colour this like Minority Report or should we do something like this? It, it, there's a there's a whole load of references there that you don't need to worry about. Yeah, the shorthand you've into. got, yeah. And yeah. It's, the, it's the same with Mike. He'll say like, um, well, they get on the asteroid and it's a bit of Event Horizon and we're going to go down this route. And so he's just by making the, those... And I, again, sorry, I am in a comics podcast talking once again. No, about no it's so, about anything. But, yeah. but if, it's a, if it's a shared language between people, then it does help. Um, yeah. My... I, uh, Pete probably didn't read as many comics as I did, maybe, when he was right. younger. Um, he definitely did enjoy them, um, but I, I was the one getting subscriptions to things and, and stuff like that. Um, and Mike, again, he re- was raised on 2000 AD, so he had like um, a, a different view on, on how a comic works, too, you know, because um, mm. there is definitely a 2000 AD feel you know, mm. to things. And he knows full well that if he references um, one of the more obscure 2000 AD characters or situations, I might not get it. So it, we we rely on the stuff that we all share, really. So that may be a TV series, it may be a movie, it may be a yeah. book. Um, there's been times where we've said, well, we want this to feel like this song, you know, where mm. the, the song gives you a particular type of mood. But it, again... What it usually comes back to is who are we making this book for? We're making this book on behalf of John Carpenter. Yeah, and it's got yeah. his name on it, and when his when his name's on it, um, and we end up doing it like a Steven Universe or whatever Tony's favorite um, current comic <laughs> style is, um, we know full well that we're getting a, a dog shit in in a post because mm. uh, we're not doing justice yeah. to um, a guy whose entire brand is based around paranoid cold feeling um icky glorious horror um, and we've got to get that across so it's a great point that like the the sort of washed out colory type of thing um it's it's purposeful you know P- pete might spend a day coloring a page and getting yeah. all these details right and we might end up having a conversation after he's finished saying listen do you fancy chucking a filter over all of yeah, it yeah yeah really feel cold yeah um and he'll he'll go away and experiment and he'll probably based on that come back with something better than what i've suggested because i i like being able to leave it with him it's his choice as to how, what the colors are going to look and feel yeah like I've, I've done my work with trying to get what i need to get out out um but a lot of times it's, it's a nice surprise to to have it come back and think oh i wouldn't have done it like that mm. he's, done, mm. he's, he's done something there you know and it all works as well that's the thing it all do you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you can see a disjoint. It's like when you see um, great pencilers who were inked by people who maybe have a different style and it yes. loses yeah. something in translation. And, yeah. you know, and, and this is this again, you know, this this work you've got here is it's, it just all works. It really does. I love the I love the feel of it, the style of it. I really love the palette. Oh, thanks, you know, I think, you know, it's and I, I um because I tried to teach myself to colour better, because the first comic I did, yeah. I kind of painted it, you know, like, like 
digitally yeah. painted everything. I thought, yeah. it's got to be a right way of doing this, you know. So I thought, right, I'm yeah. going to study colouring. So I, I sort of studied comic colouring and then, you know, learned, as yeah. you were saying, about overlays to give, you know, a, a sense yeah. of yeah. kind of mood and tone and thing. And it's, it's, in, it's fascinating the difference that can make. You know, it, it, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. The danger is you can spend your entire life just, you know, fucking around well, the, the, with different, <laughs> different no, colours. It's, it's true. It's very true. There's, there's there's one rule we all stick to, and um, I think Flea said it when he was talking about making blood sugar sex magic in that um, documentary where they all go out to that house in the middle. Yeah. Where, is it Funky Monks or something like that? It is. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he's and. He's talking to the camera. He's saying, "I used to be all like you know, all this like slapping and stuff." Yeah, yeah. And I realised I was, I was playing for me. I wasn't yeah. playing for the song, and the song is king. The, the the final product is the thing that matters, and that always stuck with me. That and so when when we came to do the comic stuff, I, I can say I was dead jammy in that. I got mm. to do the first issue myself, but by doing that issue, um, it set out the language for every other thing that we did together. And yeah. I'm talking about Mike, uh, Pete, Janice and myself. Yeah. Who were yeah. like physically making the book. And and it's not to be underestimated what Tim Bradstreet's bringing to it as well, because he's doing the covers. Beautiful, based aren't on, they? Yeah. Based on scripts that Mike's giving him. And he's, he's flicking through the work that we're doing at the time. And sometimes he's finished the cover of a book. I've, I'm nowhere near finished, um, but he's summed up the book. So, He's doing the same thing. He's working um, to that same end. It's yeah. all in service of that story. It's all into... I, right, listen, I've got a, a son who I am proud of beyond belief. He's actually in, insanely handsome. He doesn't look like me. He looks like his mum. If he looked <laughs> like me, he'd look like somebody sharpened Ed Sheeran and burned him. <laughs> um, but it, 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 he's a glorious child, right? And I don't know if I'm what I'm more proud of, the day he was born or the day I got the first Vortex book in my hand, because... It, it was what I thought it would end up being. It was one of the most satisfying feelings I've ever had of holding that entire encased story, beginning, middle and end, yeah. in one glorious, beautiful thing that I can pick up and show to somebody and just say, I worked on that. Mm. And there's nothing like that. And, and yeah, they, they can pay me and, and and let me eat food and stay alive and everything, but I swear to God, at that moment, I thought I would have done that for nothing. Yeah, there's there's nothing like so it, is there? I mean, even no. even on an indie perspective, like like we do, you know, you yeah, when you actually get that physical book back in your hands, yeah. it is a I'll thrill. Down, yeah, you know, I mean, as much as you might look at it and go, ooh, oh, ah, you know, because we all do that, don't we? <laughs> um, well, we I do, you know, you kind of open it, go, oh, you know, but. Yeah. It is. There's, there's nothing like having your own work in your hands. It's like, it's yeah, like for it's, me, it's a dream come true. You know, I always wanted to make comics yeah. and never thought yeah. I'd actually do it. Exactly. And then it was only a couple of Good, years ago. What we said earlier, yeah, of, of like ticking that box. You've done a thing that you want yeah. to do. It's amazing, mate. And 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 again, it is a. You know, I've got the digital version. Um, yeah. And it's it's brilliant. And I love the concept sketches at the back, and you know. Everything, but yeah, I mean, to sort of like, I do want a physical copy though because I love physical copies, you know. So I've I will got, be, I've got some, mate. I'll, I'll be tapping you up for next time when we do uh, eventually get out. Um, I definitely yeah. want to buy it physically because well, I do I'll, love physical outside the books. pound bakery. I'll, I'll have it in like a little brown envelope <laughs> and um, no words. I'll just pass you, just but uh, you just should be, you, you should be proud of it though, mate. It's it's brilliant and um oh, obviously thanks, we'll dude. put we'll put links in for people to be able to go and then 
go and look at it themselves. But oh, it's a great, it's a great achievement. It's a great book, and I can't wait to read the second one as well. I'll probably hang on until it comes out as a trade, and uh, I've become one of those that I like to read things in blocks. Do you know what I mean? And, and as oh, much right. as I used yeah, to love yeah, the cliffhanger yeah. stuff of waiting each month, now I'm kind of yeah. like I want to work through it and enjoy it. I don't rush yeah. through it, but. You know, it's a bit like TV series and stuff. I'll wait till it's ended and then I'll work my way through it at my pace. So, do you think? Do you think that was a like we mentioned before about like the, that particular period of time where the the, the phrase graphic novel came in? You know, um, before that, I, I I genuinely wasn't aware of stuff being in trade form. No, I wasn't. I'd go up to I'd go up to uh, Alan's. Did you ever go to Alan's? He fixes BMXs and uh, sells bikes and stuff like that. He's still right. going in the middle of Wigan, opposite the station. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And he was well in with the uh, the skate crowd, and he yeah. used to sell records and everything. And he opened a, a little shop down by where the Bricklayers Arms is in, in right. the middle of town there. Yeah. And um, I was just walking past one day, going getting a butty or something, and, and one of my mates from school was just going in. He says, "Uh." Hey Dave, come in here. And uh, I'm like, all oh, right. So we go in, and he took me to the back of this shop, and he had a little shelf of comics. Wow. That was when Dark Horse just started, um, and so they were pumping out uh, Predator and Aliens yeah. comics and stuff like that, and The Mask, and um, I don't think Hellboy was about at that point. It was things like Concrete and stuff like that. And um, I thought, what's this? <laughs> I haven't seen comics since I've you know, no. I stopped collecting Transformers to go and look at boobs. They were it was days. like a resurgence. <laughs> yeah, it was like that resurgence. But I don't ever remember um, thinking I'll buy the collected version. No, that. I don't. It, it was always individuals, it, you know. It's strange because um, with older stuff, I, I prefer reading it in singles. Still, you know, it's, it's yeah, strange. It's yeah. a weird thing, and you know, I still buy singles now. But with, with older yeah. um, runs of things, I will I will sit and read the uh, the single copies rather than go for a trade but with with newer stuff i kind of like yeah. to have it as a fix it's a, i don't know it's a very complicated yeah. thing but you're right i don't ever remember trades until yeah dark knight returns was the first trade yeah I were off. yeah you know that that's exactly yeah. right yeah and, and then you know we it started, started to move on from there didn't it but yeah um yeah, yeah it's a strange strange but, thing isn't it but yeah it is it, it's um the the comics the the vortex comics themselves of course it's insanely satisfying getting each issue i i, I spend a bit on i use a page 45 comics um to, because they post out so um or they, they at the time were one of the only, a few people who did to be honest but mike put me onto them and said if you, if you get your order your comics from them they'll post them out to you so i said listen i, I hope you don't mind me showing off a bit but i'm working on this comic and, mm. um is it all right if every time one comes out, could you send me four? You know, so I've, I've yeah. spent a, a small fortune on like just having a few myself, and and to be honest, I've given a few away to mates and stuff like that. But oh, man, I, I just couldn't get enough of like the fact no. that that's that's the book I worked on, <laughs> um, and whether it's Brilliant. a single issue or the trade, it, it's just a glorious thing to hold. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's really uh, it's really nice. So just just going back to working with. Um... John and Sandy then. So how much input do they have through the process? Is it are they quite hands off until oh, you've got something to show or are they are they really involved? Well, I'm I've landed on my feet in many areas of my life, you know, uh 
My wife is uh, one of the most beautiful people inside and out I've ever met. My son's <laughs> a handsome fella who doesn't look like me. And um, after years of working for and against people who yeah. want you to change everything you do because they've had a, an idea one night talking to their nephew, um, <laughs> working with John and Sandy, honest to God, it's just like everything you could possibly ask for in uh, a boss. Right. Um, Sandy's like insanely motivated when it comes to the comic stuff. She's always been into it. She's always been um, pushing to do more stuff. It, I mean, she's not my age. She's a couple of years older, mm. um, but she will still go to a convention center herself and set up the stand herself Brilliant. Um, to do this stuff. And she's, she's such a good person to work for. She's dead supportive. Um, Fantastic. Take as long as you want with this, do this, that, and as long as you hit your deadlines, everything's good. Yeah. And I've yeah. never, to this day, sent them a page um, where they've said change something. <laughs> and the same with Mike. Now, Mike does all the dealing with, a lot of the dealing with Sandy. They both oversee everything that their company does. And they they both have input into how a story begins and how it, um, it should develop and so on. Right. Um, but they're incredibly hands-off when it comes to leaving you to get on with it. And the the first story we ever did, me and Mike, we did a, a little short called The Posse for one of the Hallow- uh, Tales from a Halloween Night uh, yep. anthologies. And um, I thought, Mike said, do you fancy doing this and we'll, we'll, we'll send it over and we'll see if John and Sandy like it. And, you know, we may at some point get a bit more work from them. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's just worth doing. So I thought, if I, if this is going in front of John and Sandy, I'm going to draw the goddamn shit out of this. So yeah. I put everything into that, everything I knew at the time. And I, again, it was just me, so it was like drawing colour and lettering everything. And um, we got it over to them, and it was a really positive reaction. So I thought, number one, brilliant. You know, we're going to get a bit more work. Number two, now I have to draw everything at that level. So I kind of scuppered myself there. But... At the same time, I want it to be at that level and I should be pushing myself and I should be trying to get better and so on. But in terms of Sandy and John, they you could have like no contact with them for yeah. months on end because they're happy to let you get on with doing the stuff because they saw, they've seen your work, they've seen how you work. Yeah, um, yeah. And they may be more hands-on with other people. I have no idea because there's a hell of a lot of artists and writers who go through uh, Storm King and get stories out. But with in terms of me and Mike, she, Sandy will speak to Mike mainly um, if he's looking at changing the script or changing it from what she's already seen. But I guarantee 9.9 times out of 10, she'll say, listen, guys, just get on with it. We trust yeah. what you're doing. That confidence in in some, that somebody else has in your work makes you work better. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't get make you lazy. Um, it's like somebody saying, oh, oh, you play drums, try playing on this £10,000 kit instead of that butty mm. box you used to play on. Suddenly you feel like you can do it better because yeah. someone's got that confidence in you. And um, I, I I don't know, it blew me away how much they sort of like just let us get on with it. And Fantastic. When an issue finishes and we send it all over, we'll just get like heaps of praise. I know we talked about this before with people um, writing us critiques and stuff like that and how how important it is to get that critique but I cannot stress how how good it is to have somebody who actually believes what, what you're doing is good yeah, and, and lets you get on with it, make your own mistakes um, do things that you know, 
work, things that don't work, but lets you get on with it. Yeah, it's about yeah. balance, though, isn't it, mate? Everything's about balance, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you, you know, you can't be, you, you can't survive on positive criticism constantly because it'll no. just wear oh, you down. No. You know, you need yeah. that odd lift as well to to make sure that you know you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, just looking at, you know, because I know you've got some pages of Posse on, on your website as well and some yes, beautiful yeah. work in there. I love the, again, I love the colouring. I love the, you know, that kind of heat that you, you've got it's, in there. It's, and it's, it's yeah, great, it's, that, it's in, in service at once again of the story. Yeah. I always, I always go back to Mike's script if I've got any doubts as to how I'm going to handle a page or, because I, I guarantee you, if I've done a, a thumbnail, something will always change when I start doing the work, yeah, it might be the fact that, hold on a minute, this doesn't work. Somebody's talking from left to right and suddenly it looks like they're on the other side of the room. I'm going to have to rejig this. But when when you've got that confidence in what you're doing all the way up the line from Mike on the script to you know Sandy and John, mm. and you say, listen, I've spotted something, they'll just hold their hands up and say, don't need to tell me, just get on with it um, because it's my job to pick up on that. Brilliant. Um, it's my own mistake, but I should be working on it anyway, you know. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, we do have, we actually have collective editing sessions. So right. Whereas, you, whereas you would have uh, one editor or one or two editors go over your work. Uh, Sandy does that, um, but at the same time, we do it as we go along. We were, I was talking about this technique of us dropping things up to Dropbox and then discussing it as it as it goes on. Janice might come back and say, "Listen, I know you've got this monster whale in here. What type of font were you thinking of?" And I'd say, like, well, try a couple, see what you think. And then with yeah. a, our Pete might ch- chip in and say, that's really good, that. That reminds me of such a thing. And um, Janice will go with that one. Um, everybody from the beginning of the process to the end of the process will have eyes on the final book when we got, when we come to do those checks. Yeah. And the emails that go back and forth are just huge. You know, it's like a, this bit's good, this bit's could do that bit and I'm not adverse to somebody telling me at the very last minute uh, you've missed something you're going to have to go back and put it in there's a there's a character in the the first mm. book who gets an, a head injury in uh, issue 2 and um, he has a scar for the entire rest of the run of the book and how many times did I forget to put that goddamn scar on because it's in the middle of his forehead <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd finish I'd finish a page and I'd get um, like a, a text from our Pete at two in the morning have you finished yeah yeah I'm all done knackered going to bed going to bed mate I'll I'll see you in the morning do you fancy popping that scar on his head again Jesus Christ and and that's somebody else's eyes on my work yeah Um, and it's it's dead nice having that um, having those extra pair of eyes I think I spoke to Dan recently just briefly on like Twitter or Facebook or something Dan from ACP and he talked about getting eyes on his work before he sends stuff to print, and I thought we're we're in we're a part of a community who are, are all linked digitally now. We could all yeah yeah do that really quickly and really easily. And if anybody asked me to do that, I'd happily do that. But, you know, read through something, make sure it makes sense, yeah. make sure there's no spelling things in there, because the more eyes you get on it, the better chance you are of spotting something that that might work or might not. Um. So, yeah, if people are out there doing comics, I'm not saying I'll chuck them at me now, but if anybody wants any extra eyes on stuff, you know, I'm just sat here drawing, so happy to do it. Brilliant. Well, that leads us nicely into um, probably our final question, which is, in an increasingly difficult 
like world to break into because comics is getting more and more difficult um i mean it may have always been this difficult but it feels more difficult because there's so much good art and creativity yeah. out there yeah. that you know you I'm, I'm blown away with some of it and yeah you know what what advice would you give to anyone who's an aspiring creator, whether it be a, you know, they're a writer, colorist, or an artist, what what would you kind of, you know, what would you want to pass on to people? Uh, I think um, uh, you think about this more the the, the more you, the older you get, really, and, and you th- like like I say, I've got a few regrets about not starting doing this earlier and being at a a, fur- a stage further on in in what I'm doing at this age, if that makes sense, um, but. There's one little story that I always like mention to people, which is right. uh, Mike and I um, decided one year uh, we'd worked on this this project uh, with a company over in the states, and they'd said, "Listen, if you want to go to San Diego Comic Con, uh, we'll, we'll cover your tickets and that. If you just got to get here." And me and Mike were like, uh, "Well, what are the chances we're going to get to do this again?" You know. Um, so we yeah. took a load of our money in, into getting a shared hotel and stuff. And, and Mike does go over to LA for work for a bit. So he, he said, listen, let's make a meal of it. Let's get over there. Um, I, we'll go and meet some of my mates in LA for a few days. We'll catch the train down to San Diego, do the convention, come back up to LA for a bit, uh, um, hang out, and then you can go home. And I'm looking at the wife saying, like, I don't know if I can afford for both of us to go. And she said, no, listen, just go and do it. You know, it, hopefully it'll get you you know, some kind of connections and stuff. And uh, sure enough, I met Sandy on, on that particular trip and, uh, you know, Tim Bradstreet and loads of other guys. And, Brilliant. And it, it it worked out well. Um, but this one night stuck out for me. Um, we sat at one of Mike's friends is uh, a writer on The Flash and um, he's a lovely guy. And he uh, every year he throws a party at, at one venue or another and just invites everyone along to just mm. mingle and have a good time and stuff, you know, like, like you imagine Hollywood being, I suppose. Um, but you get there and then you suddenly realise all these guys are wearing the same type of T-shirt as me. All these guys are banging on about Star Wars this and Star Wars mm. that. And, and you're thinking, and one guy was going nuts over me FX7 T-shirt because I'd, I'd, I'd made this T-shirt myself with the the old packaging from FX7, the old Brilliant. Doctor Tube from Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and this guy's going, man, that's this guy's going, man, that's an awesome T-shirt. And I went, Cheers, man. It's freaking Dave Filoni, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. And this is like this is years before Mandalorian and stuff, but it just shows you that that's a guy who's just really, really into the thing he's working at. Yeah. So I'm starting to think about this anyway. And we're sat at this table and we're sat with a load of really nice people and everyone's dead friendly and chatty and stuff. And I don't know who any of them are. Like, And this girl's, this young girl stood over the other side of the bar and we thought at first she was like a somebody who was serving drinks or something. She walks over after a while and she says, I'm really sorry to interrupt, like, but I, I don't mind me asking. I know who a lot of you are. I said, you don't know who I am? She went, no, no, I don't. I said, well, I'm a scrubber <laughs> from Wigan. And she didn't know who I was. And she said, I know a lot of you are. And she starts pointing out, like, writers and stuff. And there was mm. um, one of our mates is, is a, was the right, one of the writers on Firefly and, and a few other guys at this table. And um, she says, I know a lot of your work. And I've got a question. I hope you don't mind me asking. She said, how do you get into uh, writing? How do you become a writer? And it was, like, out of all these people who could give her advice, it was my mate from school from Wigan, Mike, who sat next to me. And he says... Uh, Sit down, you know, have a chat. He says, well, um, 
have you written anything? She said, yeah, I've written this, that, and everything. He said, then you're a writer. And she said, well, yeah, but, you know, he says, no, you're a writer. And when you walk into someone's office and they say, what do you do? You say, yeah, I'm a writer. And I'm I'm taking this in after an entire weekend of me walking around, um, like, the artist alley and, like, talking to Adam Hughes and bloody Mike Mignola mm. and all these people and them saying, what do you do? And me going... Yeah, well, I, I draw a bit, you know, I do, I do this and everything, and I'm, I'm trying to get into it. And Mike's looking at me like I'm an idiot. And and it suddenly clicked when he said it to this girl. You are what you tell people you are. Yeah. You know, if if you do that thing anyway, whether it's in your room, whether it's in a prestigious college, whether it's for a million quid a week, you are the thing that you're doing. If if you're writing, you're a writer. It's like they always say, if if you go running, you're a runner. Um, it, it's that basic, really. Yeah. But I would say it's a mixture of that and you actually doing that thing. So when I said before, I used to go into uh, work an hour early and I'd sit there and draw comics before I went to my job. Um, by doing that, I was becoming a more accomplished comic artist because yeah. I was doing it. Yeah. Um, and I have never gotten, I've never had anyone in all of my life ask me for a qualification. I've never had anyone in all of my life ask me what I did in my previous job when I was going for a job. Yeah. Because I've always gone with material that I've done myself at home yeah. or on a bus or in a cafe before work. <laughs> if I wanted to go and work in um, the games industry, I went away, bought myself like a, a drawing tablet and started doing stuff that looked like it was from the games industry. Mm. And then I got a job off that. And then when I wanted to work in comics, I went away and made a comic and I yeah. got a job off that. And when I wanted to work with John Carpenter, me and Mike put something together that we thought John Carpenter would like, and we got work off that. Mm. So my my belief is, you know, you might have this daydream that, um, oh, Steven Spielberg's had a puncture outside my house and he's just knocked on the door. <laughs> and he, he, he wants a bit of work doing. Can you, can, you, can you draw as well? Can I get a cup of tea while I'm here? Um, the likelihood of that happening is less than you going to Steven Spielberg's studio and knocking on his door and saying, I've done this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's entirely different. You you can't wait for something to come to you. You've got to do something about it. So there's um as I was saying, I did this. I do this tutoring thing with my mates, students sometimes. And uh, you go in, and he'd given this in this one particular time. Um, he'd given these kids this project to do, and one girl had um she just filled reams and reams and reams of stuff with, with ideas and God love her, not all of them were polished but she had a mountain of it and this other kid had done this design which uh, I still to this day think about um, I won't mention it because I obviously don't want to yeah. talk about who's, who's done what or whatever uh, it was phenomenally done it was just perfect it was everything the brief asked for and I go over to me, to my mate who's running the course, and I said, "What's with this kid over here?" I said he's an absolute genius. He said, "You like that?" I said, "Yeah." So I've seen that that thing he's done. He went, "That's the only thing he's done all year." <laughs> and and in that moment, you think, right, he's got the talent, but he doesn't want it. Yeah, he he doesn't want to get that thing. And that yeah. girl over there who can't quite draw the right way yet, she's going to get the job. Because she wants it, and you can see it in the work. When she walks in with a, a five-foot stack of, of sketches and says, I want this job, you bloody know she wants it. Mm. Whereas the other guy, he might be absolutely amazing. And 
you only have to look at Instagram to realise that um, you are never going to be the best artist in the world. None of us, because there's mm. always someone you think mm. is better than you. Ninety um, percent of the stuff I see on Instagram, I consider infinitely better than anything I could possibly do. Um, but what's the point worrying about that when you, you want to get on? You know, there are people who work in the comics industry who um, who can't really draw, but they're in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And it's because they've got up and they've said, I want to do yep. this. So I don't think there's a... Like anyone who's in a job and other people ask you, how do you get that job? It's a mixture of all kinds of things. No, In no small part, it's down to you know, the help of my friend Mike, who has done a hell of a lot to get me where I am. But at the same time, when that opportunity came along and... John Carpenter sat at his table and and he's having a brew and he opens this um, this pitch and he looks at something I've done. Um, I've got the work to show for it. It's not like um, I'm dead lucky I've got a job with John Carpenter. I genuinely felt like I am lucky that I've met him, but I'd done the work. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd sat down and done all the work in the first place. Um, so that's what gave me confidence to say, well, I'll, yeah, I'll do that project with you, and yeah, away we go. I, th- I think that's that's that that applies to any job really. Um, if you love the subject matter and you you want to be good at it, you will be. You'll find a way of doing it, you know. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's great advice, mate. And it's a it's a refreshing answer as well because you know you you ask this question quite a lot of creators and. You know, and you'll get a, a variation of the same answer, which will be about, you know, well, you need to study anatomy or you need to study this. And yeah. and it's nice to have, have a different view, which is, you know, just do the work, you know. You yeah, do the work yeah. and, and Mate, keep sh- doing the work. I, I could show you the first three versions of a panel I'm doing at the minute, and the anatomy is all over the place. Um, but when someone sees your finished piece, they don't see all the work you've done yeah. to get there. yeah. Um, it's like when you were talking about thumbnails before. You know, my thumbnails are a disgrace when, when you know, when you look at them. But yeah. I can read them. It's like a shorthand yes, in a sense yeah. where I I know what I mean. But if somebody looks at it, they probably go, "What's this shit? <laughs> What's this?" Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, what you what you'll find is your, your thumbnails. Like I don't know if you've ever seen a uh, Mark Lamming, um, yeah, uh, comic artist. Oh man. He's super tight with his artwork. I know. So good. Um, like, and I, I look at his his thumbnails, and they're tidier than my final artwork. You know, yeah. it's <laughs> mad. Um, but that's his way of working. He's found mm. a way of, of of doing something. And when he does those little tiny post-it sized thumbnails, all it's doing is it's giving him the information he needs to move on to the next stage. Yeah. And if if that information is a thousand lines or one line, if it's doing the job, then it doesn't matter because no one's going to see them. That's that, that's for you to to use. You know that the, the only thing that matters is, like I said, it's that final book in your hand that people are going to get hold of and people are going to read. It's all in service of the story and of the thing that you want somebody to experience when they see you work. Brilliant. And I think that's a that's the thing that should should be motivating you as opposed to. I know some people get in it because they want to say, uh, you know, you want to be famous or you want to. Um, get your name out there I'd, yeah. I'd be happy um, going the rest of my life with no one knowing who I am as long as they're enjoying the thing I've made um, because that's why we do it you know superb that's brilliant mate it's been 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 fascinating talking to you about all this stuff oh, it's been I've been looking forward yeah. to this because obviously I've heard you on other podcasts and I know you, you've got a genuine passion and genuine love for the medium but you're also 
very knowledgeable as well. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been been brilliant, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thank oh, you thanks, very much mate. for for That's coming on. Very kind of you to have me on. I do apologise for banging on for, for uh, however many hours we give over. Honestly, it's been brilliant. You have to come back on. You know, be be great to get, to get your view on some other things as well. So we'll we'll set that up. More but, than happy uh, to, mate. Anytime you like. <laughs> great. Um, so I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Well, yeah. Well, I don't know. That we'll come on to that next. So what's next for uh, for Mr. Kennedy then? What other have you got any well, projects did, on the boil? See, anything you, you can tell us about? Did you see how we led straight into that final That's question there? Fantastic. Teamwork, mate. <laughs> digital high five there. Um, <laughs> um, upcoming projects. Currently working on, um, me and Mike are currently working on another little short for Tales of Halloween Night, um, which uh, it's great format. It's basically John Carpenter's annual anthology for that comes out around Halloween of yeah. like... Uh, a selection of little horror stories and it's all artists it's all uh, writers people from everywhere john actually like gets involved with with this um and does stuff himself within the book cool and we'd, we'd had that one story in the second volume i think going up to number six or seven now I think yeah it, it, i've got a we few just, of them actually they are i think it will be seven this year i think well and i know mike was in the last one with mm. uh, another artist and um He'd worked with our mate, our mutual friend Steve as well, the composer, and I think they'd done a uh, like a horror which was based around um, uh, music. And so Steve had kind of written music that has actually been <laughs> put into the story, fantastic, uh, in a way which is nice. Brilliant. Um, so we're doing something for that, um, and uh, I know loads of people. You know, when you say what you're working on next, you can't talk about it. Um, I get that, but at the same time, yeah. Uh, I want to talk about it because it's, it's what I'm doing and I'm excited about mm. it. So we've got that on the go. And Sandy and John being the awesome people that they are, they've uh, they've kind of given us the go-ahead to go uh, onto another book after that, um, which is... A, I don't want to talk about that one because it's, it's more Mike's... Um, yeah, no, it's fine. Like it's fine. Where it's, where it's come from. But yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a sort of like a... A story format and a thing that's very close to his heart, so he's very passionate about getting it right. Super. And um, it involves, it might involve a dog, so uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that might please some of the audience. Not lazy greyhound, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Big long face love. <laughs> Tell him if you need any reference, I've got one here, mate. <laughs> Super. Awesome. Yeah, so that's, that's what's next. Cool. Um, fingers crossed all that still goes ahead and everything's going well, but um, I'm currently drawing things as we speak. That's That's been brilliant, mate, and um, look forward to seeing your, your other stuff through Storm King. They do some good stuff uh, through that, that they print, do, don't um, they? And I noticed I do, they, are I do they doing a the kids' kind of um, element to it yes, now as well. Yeah. yeah. What, what I liked was when they, when they first out the stall, they had like one or two titles on the gov, and then they decided, like, you know what, let's do specifically sci-fi ones. Let's do this anthology. And now they've branched out into, let's do horror for kids. Yeah. And I, I get to, I get to see a lot of it through the shared Dropbox folder. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this harks back to the, your first question and inspiration and stuff. But do you remember comics like action? That's who, yeah. With a uh, hook jaw and, and, and people like that in it. People <laughs> hook jaw, the shark. And the, there's a, there's a, brilliant sort of like feeling for a kid to go and get a, a comic that's actually scary 
and you know, I mean, I suppose books like Goosebumps and stuff like that prove that type of thing. Um, but I've seen some of the stuff, and it is scary. It's not like let's mm-hmm. do it scary f- for kids. Um, it's scary. There's one one panel of something I was looking at earlier on when it was like um, a, a mother hugging her son or something, and then the mother turns into something, and like these kids all freak <laughs> out, and I'm like, Jesus, what is this? <laughs> it's like this base horror. Like it's really upsetting. But My word. at the end of the day, you know, kid, why why shouldn't kids enjoy that type of thing? I mean, I did. did when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we yeah. all did. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm really pleased they've got they've gone down that route. It's it, it's an interesting sort of path to take. Yeah. Can you see yourself maybe um, doing something along those lines as well? Or well, yeah, uh, I'd love to put it that way. Um, Brilliant. Uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun to do that, especially if it gives me an opportunity to do that thing we mentioned earlier, which is like, give something else a try. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, um, not just like story-wise, but mm-hmm. maybe there's something in the art we can do differently. Uh, maybe there's a different treatment we can look at. And it's the book that we're, we're looking at, me and Mike, after this uh, little anthology one, mm. um, just has a totally different feeling to uh, Vortex. So... It may produce, you know, I like to mess about with art before we even start drawing the comic because I want to see how it's going to feel, how things yeah. are going to feel, how how does a character uh, stand and how, what sort of environment would they sit in, how would they sit in it. Um, it. It's all fun stuff to play about with until you hit upon that thing and you think, ah, oh, this is it, this is how the book should feel. Um, and that's that's one element of like trying a new story and a new project that I'm I'm really keen to have a go at. Great stuff. I mean, once again, thanks, mate, for giving up your time. It's been great. Oh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I'm sure people love it as well, you know, because it's, it's some fascinating stuff in there. Um, so did you just want to give listeners the, the links to your socials, things like that, so they can they can yeah. have a look at your work and, more importantly, where they can buy your stuff? Oh, right, yeah, okay. Um, well, I live just up from the park, so if, you knew, <laughs> if you're coming up from Wigan, go up past the big pub on your left. And I'll be in the front garden. Um, you can you can find me if you search for uh, the name Cherry Sheriff. Um, pretty much anywhere uh, you'll find me. So Instagram, yeah. Twitter, um, and Facebook, and whatever else. Um, uh, in terms of buying stuff, of course the the finest way to buy things is from my employers, uh, Storm King Comics. Um, but you can get um, the books I've worked on Vortex and Vortex 2, and even the uh, Halloween Night series, and anything from Stone King, you can get them on Comixology too. So, have a search for those, and um, I think Amazon do uh, the trade of the first Vortex as well. Yeah. I know there's a lot of chip with uh, shipping these days, isn't there, with uh, mm. getting stuff sent over here. I think the days may have passed where I can get a whole box of trade sent over from the guys in LA without paying... Um, you know, my, my, my second born saying that, but Amazon do them. So uh, dive on that, and if you ever bump into me up by the park, I'll I'll sign it for you and write "Get Lost in It" or whatever you want. But uh, there's not a lot of stuff uh, of my stuff out there other than this. What I've been working on with John and Sandy. So have a search for um, John Carpenter's Tales of Science Fiction uh, in your Googles, and I'm sure it'll come up somewhere. And I'll uh, what I'll do is, mate, I'll put all the links in the show notes for people. Um, if you can't be bothered Googling, then if you just scroll <laughs> down, I'll, I'll put them all in there, you know. Um, yeah, the youth of today. 
Oh, I know, yeah, yeah. I'm not writing WWW, get lost. Well, nobody does anymore, <laughs> do they? Do you remember? Remember when you had to do that? Yeah. And, uh, and when you had to write HTTP something. Forward slash, forward, and it's like, oh, put a backslash. <laughs> Shit. But, uh, yeah, they were the days, weren't they? Yeah, it was a bit IT like dial-up modems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. Remember that? I don't know. <laughs> But um, if you want to see more about my work, then obviously you can find me on the website, art92.com. That's all letters. You should do, because I recently uh, dove into a Comic House after bloody years of listening, listening oh, to yeah. ACP bang on about it. So I finally d- dug in <laughs> and I found found your uh, horror anthology there. Oh, and, yeah. Um, Pre-mortis. disturbed me. Yeah, it's hard. enjoyed it. But we're, enjoyed we're it. trying to get the second issue done, but... Um, I've kind of got my story laid out, but H was struggling yeah. to write hers because, um, like, like she said, you know, she can't think of anything more horrific than what's going on at the moment. Because you write it <laughs> yeah. down and then you go, well, that, that's Monday and <laughs> that's Tuesday, you know what I mean? <laughs> but we are working on that. So uh, we, okay. it's been not bad with, with delays, with everything going on, but we, yeah. we're going to get that out later this year. If, if you need um, inspiration, just think of a, a maskless visit to Tesco. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it, mate. Really well, thank you. It's very kind. Well, I, I might be asking you for some advice on um, yeah, some of my stuff. But uh, no, appreciate that, mate. It's very kind. And um, yeah, so it's Art92, as I say, Art92.com, Art92, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even on YouTube, where H puts up her uh, tutorials on how to draw animals and things like that. Awesome. Um, and we keep it all out nine two because it's every week. You know, you get to our age, you're lucky if you remember to put your pants on in the morning. So if you've got more than one bloody username, you're knackered. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I hope you've enjoyed this this episode. I mean, I've really enjoyed it. And then me too, mate. I, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And me bang on. Yeah. No, not at all. And and if anybody listening's enjoyed it, then remember you can check out all the old episodes I've got on. Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, yeah, some crackers, there, loads yeah. I've been of stuff. Going through them myself, going yeah, them myself, mate. You've got quite a library building up. Yeah, so, been uh, been lucky. I've had some good guests. You know, it's guests who make it. You know, I just sit here and you know interject. But no, uh, I think no, I think it's a it's a it's a really nice balance. There's, there's I, I have a very sort of limited um, pool of the uh, the podcasts to sit and work to. Um, when I get into the artworking stage of what I'm doing, um, that's when the podcasts kick in. So it's like months at a time, but I'll go through everything, all the back catalogue of the ACP and you guys and a few film ones. And you can tell very, very quickly in a new podcast whether it's going to work or not. You know what I mean? You, yeah. If you listen to them yourself, you, you know someone either is is trying too hard or they're not trying enough yeah yeah they think they've hit on a format that (laughs) isn't actually got anything in it but this is such a simple format to this one mate it's it's so nice it's like you're you're letting people talk you're interjecting when you need to be interjecting and you're actually moving things on and i'm saying that now three hours later after me banging on like but you actually you've got a structure there and and it's really nice to know that you can go back to that structure each time you open one up Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Um, like I say, you know, if, um, you, you do this and you never know whether anybody listens or not. I mean, you get the stats, yeah. but, you know, it's nice when people do contact and say that they've enjoyed it and stuff. So genuinely yeah. appreciate it. Thank you, mate. If anybody else out there likes it, then you can feel free to leave us a review because apparently it's what they call um, social proof that people are actually listening to the show and that uh, oh, right. it bumps it up the algorithms. No, no, apparently I'm just, I'm one of those, um, you know, this great theory that we're all just part of a simulation. 
So it might right. be true. I don't know. It, yeah. We've got are, a shitty simulation a if we do, don't we? You know what I mean? Yeah. You are just a gas until you get three stars. <laughs> I don't know, mate. It's a weird world, isn't it? But uh, yeah, but no, thanks again to Dave for his, giving his time and uh, really appreciated it. And join us next time for another episode of Omen to That. And until then, I'll leave you with a quote from the legendary film director and one of Dave's bosses, John Carpenter, who said, when you have no money, you need invention. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>